Salutations. I am Kenneth Barrios, leadership coach and owner of Key Bravo Leadership Development with the mission of unleashing your talents and maximizing your impact without compromising your time. Welcome to our 16 Law of Success series where I read about 20-30 minutes of the great tome for your audio pleasure. This book is the foundation of which all other personal professional development is based. Written by Napoleon Hill in 1928, I am now using this public domain book as my foundation to success and I want to bring you along to that journey. Today is the seventh episode. We talk more about definite chief aim and the instructions of exactly what you need to do in this course to bring your definite chief aim into reality. So please enjoy your feedback. It's always welcome. With gratitude, thank you. Woolworth chose as his definite chief aim the belting of America with a chain of five and ten cent stores and concentrated his mind on this one task until he, quote, made it and it made him, quote, Wrigley concentrated his mind on the production and sale five-cent package of chewing gum and turned this one idea into millions of dollars. Edison concentrated upon the work of harmonizing nature laws and made his efforts uncover more useful invention than any other man who ever lived. Henry L. Daughtery concentrated upon the building and operation of public utility plants and made himself a multimillionaire. Ingersoll concentrated on dollar watch and girdled the earth with his, quote, tickers and made this one idea yield him a fortune. Sattler concentrated on, quote, home-like hotel service, quote, and made him wealthy as well as useful to millions of people who use his service. Edwin C. Barnes concentrated on the sale of Edison dictating machines and retired while still a young man with more money than he needs. Wardrow Wilson concentrated his mind on the White House for 25 years and became its chief tenant, thanks to his knowledge of the value of sticking to a definite chief aim. Lincoln concentrated his mind on freeing the slaves and became our greatest American president while doing it. Martin W. Littleton heard a speech which filled him with the desire to become a great lawyer, concentrated his mind on that one aim, and is now said to be the most successful lawyer in America whose fees for a single case seldom fall below $50,000. Rockefeller concentrated on the oil and became the richest man of his generation. Ford concentrated on the, quote, flyvers and made himself the richest and most powerful man who ever lived. Carnegie concentrated on steel and made his efforts build a great fortune and plastered his name on public libraries throughout America. Gillette concentrated on a safety razor gave the entire world a, quote, close shave, quote, and made himself a multimillionaire. George Eastman concentrated on the Kodak and made that idea yield him a fortune while bringing much pleasure to millions of people. Russell Conwell concentrated on one simple lecture, quote, acres of diamonds, quote, and made the idea yield more than $6 million. Hearst concentrated on sensational newspapers and made the idea worth millions of dollars. Helen Keller concentrated on learning to speak and, despite the fact that she was deaf, dumb, and blind, realized her definite chief aim. John H. Patterson concentrated on cash registers and made himself rich and others, quote, useful, careful. The late Kaiser of Germany concentrated on war and got a big dose of it. Let us not forget that fact. 
Fleischmann concentrated on the humble little cake of yeast and made things hump themselves all over the world. Marshall Field concentrated on the world's greatest retail store and lo, it rose before him, a reality. Philip Armour concentrated on the butchering business and established a great industry as well as a big fortune. Millions of people are concentrating daily on poverty and failure and getting both in overabundance. Wright Brothers concentrated on the airplane and mastered the air. Pullman concentrated on sleeping car and the idea made him rich and millions of people comfortable in travel. The Anti-Saloon League concentrated on Prohibition Amendment and, whether for better or worse, made it a reality. Thus, it will be seen that all those all who seek work with some definite outstanding aim as the object of their labors. There is some one thing that you can do better than anyone else in the world could do it. Search until you find out what this particular line of endeavor is, make it the object <clears throat> of your chief aim, and then organize all your forces and attack it with the belief that you are going to win. In your search for the work for which you are best fitted, it will be well if you bear in mind the fact that you will most likely attain the greatest success by finding out what work you like best. For it is well known fact that a man generally best succeeds in a particular line of endeavor into which he can throw his whole heart and soul. Let us go back for the sake of clarity and emphasis to the psychological principles upon which this lesson is founded, because it will mean a loss that you can ill afford if you fail to grasp the reason for establishing a definite chief aim in your mind. These principles are as follows. First, every volunteer, vo every voluntary movement of the human body is caused, controlled, and directed by thought and through the operation of the mind. Second, the presence of any thought or idea in your consciousness tends to produce an associated feeling and to urge you to transform that feeling into appropriate muscular action that is in perfect harmony with the nature of the thought. For example, if you think of winking your eyelid and there are no counter influences or thoughts in your mind at the time to arrest the action, the motor nerve will carry your thought from the seat of government in your brain and appropriate or corresponding muscular action takes place immediately. Stating this principle from another angle, you choose, for example, a definite purpose as your life work and make up your mind that you will carry out that purpose. From the very moment that you make this choice, this purpose becomes the dominating thought in your consciousness, and you are constantly on, the high, on alert for facts, information, and knowledge which will to achieve you at that purpose. From the time that you plant a definite purpose in your mind, your mind begins consciously and unconsciously to gather and store away the material with which you are to accomplish that purpose. Desire is the factor which determines what your definite purpose in life shall be. No one can select your dominating desire for you, but once you select it yourself, it becomes your definite chief aim and occupies the spotlight of your mind until it is satisfied by transforming into reality, unless you permit it to be pushed aside by conflicting desires. To emphasize the principle I am here trying to make clear, I believe it is not unreasonable to suggest that to be sure of successful achievement, one's definite chief aim in life should be backed up with a burning desire for its achievement. I have noticed 
that boys and girls who enter college and pay their way through by working seem to get more out of their schooling than do those whose expenses are paid for them. The secret of this may be found in the fact that those who are willing to work their way through are blessed with a burning desire for education, and such a desire, if the object of the desire is within reason, is practically sure of realization. Science has established, beyond the slightest room for doubt, that through the principle of auto-suggestion, any deeply rooted desire saturates the entire body and mind with the nature of the desire and literally transforms the mind into a powerful magnet that will attract the object of the desire, if it will be within reason. For the enlightenment of those who might not properly interpret the meaning of this statement, I will endeavor to state this principle another way. For example, merely desiring an auto automobile will not cause an, that automobile to come rolling in. But if there is a burning desire for an automobile, and that desire will lead to the appropriate action through which an autom automobile may be paid for. Merely desiring freedom would never release a man who was confined in prison if it were not sufficiently strong to cause him to do something to entitle himself to freedom. These are the steps leading from desire to fulfillment. First, the burning desire, then the crystallization of that desire into a definite purpose. Then, sufficient appropriate action to achieve that purpose. Remember that these three steps are always necessary to ensure success. I once knew a very poor girl who had a burning desire for a wealthy husband, and she finally got him, but not without having transformed that desire into the development of a very attractive personality which, in turn, attracted the desired husband. I once had a burning desire to be able to analyze character accurately, and that desire was so persistent and so deeply seated that it practically drove me into ten years of research and study of men and women. George S. Parker makes one of the best fountain pens in the world, and despite the fact that his business is conducted from a the little city of Janesville, Wisconsin. He has spread his product all the way around the globe, and he has his pen on sale in every civilized country in the world. More than 20 years ago, Mr. Parker's definite purpose was established in his mind that the purpose was to produce the best fountain pen that money could buy. He backed that purpose with a burning desire for its realization, and if you carry a fountain pen, the chances are that you have the evidence in your own possession that it was brought him abundant success. You are a contractor and a builder, and, like men who build houses out of mere wood and brick and steel, you must draw up a set of plans after which to shape your success building. You are living in a wonderful age when the materials that go into success are plentiful and cheap. You have at your disposal, in the archives of the public libraries, the carefully compiled results of 2,000 years of research covering practically every possible line of endeavor in which you would wish to engage. Break, break. I would like to have a quick word from our sponsor. Thank you for your time. Let's get back to the reading. If you would become a preacher, you have at hand the entire history of what has been learned by men who have preceded you in this field. If you would become a mechanic, you have at hand the entire history of the inventions of the machines and the discovery of usages of materials and things metallic in nature. If you would become a lawyer, you have at your disposal the entire history of law procedure. Through the Department of Agriculture, 
at Washington, you have at your disposal all of that has been learned about farming, agriculture, or you may use it should you wish to find your life work in this field. The world has never so resplendent with the opportunity as it is today. On every hand, there is an ever-increasing demand for the services of the man or woman who makes a better mousetrap or performs a better stenographic service or preaches a better sermon or digs a better ditch or runs a more accommodating bank. This lesson will not be completed until you shall have made your choice as to what your definite chief aim in life is to be and then recorded a description of that purpose in writing and place it where you might see it every morning when you rise and every night when you retire. Procrastination is but why preach about it. You know that you are a hewer of your own wood and the drawer of your own water and the shaper of your own definite chief aim in life. Therefore, why dwell upon what, what you already know? A definite purpose is something that you must create for yourself. No one else will create it for you, and it will not create itself. What are you going to do about it, and when, and how? Start now to analyzing your desire and find out what it is that you wish. Then, make up your mind to get it. Lesson 3 will point out to you the next step and show you how to proceed. Nothing is left to chance. In this reading course, every step is marked plainly. Your part is to follow the directions until you arrive at your destination, which is represented by your definite chief aim. Make that aim clear and back it up with persistence, which does not recognize the word, quote, impossible. When you come to select your definite chief aim, just keep in mind the fact that you cannot aim too high. Also, keep in mind that never bearing the truth that you'll get nowhere if you start nowhere. If your aim in life is vague, your achievements will also be vague, and it might well be added. Very meager. Know what you want, when you want it, why you want it, and how you intend to get it. This is the known to teachers and students of psychology as the WWWH formula. What, when, why, and how. Read this lesson four times at intervals of one week apart. You will see much in this lesson the fourth time you read it that you did not see the first time. Your success in mastering this course and in making it bring you success will depend very largely, if not entirely, upon how well you follow all the instructions it contains. Do not set up your own rules of study. Follow those laid out in the course, and they are the result of years of thought and experimentation. If you wish to experiment, wait until you master this course in the manner suggested by the, its author. You will then be in position to experiment more safely. For the present, content yourself by being the student. You will, let us hope, become the teacher as well as the student after you have followed the course until you have mastered it. If you follow the instructions laid down in this course for the guidance of its students, you will no more than fail than water can run uphill above the level of its source. Instructions for applying the principles of this lesson. Through the introductory lesson of this course, you became familiar with the principle in psychology known as the mastermind. You are now ready to begin use of this principle as a means of transforming your definite chief aim into reality. It must have occurred to you that one might as well have no definite chief aim unless one has also a definite and practical plan for making that aim become a reality. Your first step is to decide what your major aim in life shall be. Your next step is to write out a clear, concise statement of the same. This should be the following by the statement in writing of the plan or plans 
through which you intend to attain the object of your aim. Your next and final step will be the forming of an alliance with some person or persons who will cooperate with you in carrying out these plans and transforming your definite chief aim into reality. The purpose of this friendly alliance is to employ the law of the mastermind in support of your plans. The alliance should be made up between yourself and those who have your highest and best interests at heart. If you are a married man, your wife should be one of the members of this alliance, providing there exists between you a normal state of confidence and sympathy. Other members of this alliance may be your mother, father, brother, sisters, or some close friend or friends. If you are a single person, your sweetheart, if you have one, should become a member of your alliance. This is no joke. You are now studying one of the most powerful laws of the human mind, and you will serve your own best interests by seriously and earnestly following the rules laid down in this lesson, even though you may not be sure where it will lead you. Those who join with you in this formation of a friendly alliance for the purpose of aiding you in the creation of a mastermind should sign with you your statement of the object of your de definite chief aim. Every member of your alliance must be fully acquainted with the nature of the object in forming the alliance. Moreover, every member must be in hearty accord with this object and in full sympathy with you. Each member of your alliance must be supplied with a written copy of your statement of your definite chief aim. This, with this exception, however, you are explicitly instructed to keep the object of your chief aim to yourself. The world is full of doubting Thomases, and it will do your cause no good to have these rattled brain people scoffing at you and your ambitions. Remember, you need what you need is a friendly encouragement and help, not derision and doubt. If you believe in prayer, you are instructed to make the definite your definite chief aim the object of your prayer at least once every 24 hours, more often if convenient. If you believe there is a God who can and will aid you in the earnest striving to be of constructive science in the world, surely you feel that you have a right to petition him for aid and attainment of what should be the most important thing in your life. If those who have been invited to join your friendly alliance believe in prayer, ask them also to include the object of this alliance as part of their daily prayer. Comes now one of the most essential rules which you must follow. Arrange with one or all of your members of your friendly alliance to, to state to you in the most positive definite terms at their command that they know you can and will realize the object of your definite chief aim. This affirmation or statement should be made to you at least once a day, more often if possible. These, these steps must be followed persistently with full faith that you will lead you where you wish to go. It will not suffice to carry out these plans for a few days or a few weeks and then discontinue them. You must follow the described procedure until you attain the object of your definite chief aim, regardless of the time required. From time to time, it may become necessary to change the plans you have adopted for the achievement of the object of your definite chief aim. Make these changes without hesitation. No human being has sufficient foresight to build plans which need no alteration or change. If any member of your friendly alliance loses faith in the law known as the mastermind, immediately remove that member and replace him or her with some other person. Andrew Carnegie stated to the author of this course that he had found it necessary to replace some members of his mastermind. In fact, he stated that practically every member of whom his alliance was originally composed had, in time, been removed and replaced with some other person who could adapt himself more loyally and enthusiastic to the spirit and object of the alliance. 
You cannot succeed when surrounded by disloyal and unfriendly associates, no matter what may be the object of your definite chief aim. Success is built upon loyalty, faith, sincerity, cooperation, and other positive forces with which one must surcharge his environment. Many of the students of this course will want to form friendly alliances with those whom they are associated professionally or in business. While the object of achieving success in their business or profession, in some cases, the same rules or procedures with which I have described should be followed. The object of your definite chief aim may be one that will benefit you individually, or it may be one that will benefit the business or profession with which you are connected. The law of the mastermind will work the same in either case. If you fail, either temporarily or permanently, in the application of this law, it will be for the reason that some member of your alliance did not enter into the spirit of alliance with faith, loyalty, and sincerity of purpose. The last sentence is worthy of a second reading. The object of your definite chief aim should become your hobby. You should ride this hobby continuously. You should sleep with it, eat with it, play with it, work with it, live with it, and think with it. Whatever you want, you may get if you want it with sufficient intensity and keep wanting it. Providing the object wanted is within reason and you actually believe you will get it. There is a difference, however, between merely wishing, quoted, for something and actually believing you will get it. Lack of understanding of the differences has meant failure to millions of people. The doers are the believers in the walks of life. Those who believe they can achieve the object of their definite chief aim do not recognize the word impossible. Neither do they acknowledge temporary defeat. They know they are going to succeed, and if one plan fails, they will quickly replace it with another plan. Thank you for your time today. I hope you learned as much as I did in this reading. If you ever desire to connect with me, you can email me at kb at keybravo.com. That is kb at keybravo.com. Have a wonderful day, and may you be blessed with all the success you endeavor.